As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. Welcome to Down to Dunk. I'm your host, Andrew Schlecht, part of The Athletic Podcast Network. With me, as always, on Wednesdays, it's my good friend Alex Spears. Alex, what's up? Good morning. Good morning. Now, game one, the NBA Finals was last night, and the Suns took care of business. They did. They were. I mean, they are a uh, they are a well put together team. You know. Because <laughs> really I feel hard. Because you know, everyone it felt like the Twitter conversation, if you weren't talking about how great Chris Paul was or how great DeAndre Ayton looked, you were talking about the Bucks defense. And mm-hmm. I get it because there were stretches in that game where it's like, Oh my gosh, Chris Paul is switching on to uh Bobby Portis every single time and scoring on him every single time. And it's oh super gosh. frustrating in the moment. But mm-hmm. on the other hand, if you look at that game as a whole, like Bud tried everything. Like they did their switching, they did the yep. drop coverage. Finally, at the beginning of the fourth quarter, they go to the Giannis at the five lineup. Like, mm-hmm. if anything, I came away from that thinking, like, the Suns just had an amazing game, and the Suns are a really, really good team that's very hard to defend because they, yeah. they can beat anything. Because when you have mm-hmm. two guys who are so good in the mid range, like, oh. can't really play drop coverage. If you play switch, like, Every Chris Paul team throughout history is going to eat switches alive. I really mm-hmm. feel like that Giannis at the five is their best lineup, but we—I mean—we only got to see it in that fourth quarter. I—I'm I, interested to see if Bud goes back to that at all. And that wasn't even like the best performance from the Suns, like not even really close to it. I mean, Jerry Crowder was over eight and was super terrible like all night. He was not good. Uh, they didn't get a whole lot from their bench. Uh, Sharch went out with an ink or the knee injury early in the yeah. game, and they were still able to win. I mean, if I were to, were to tell you that like Jay Crowder misses everything, Sharch goes out, and Giannis plays and has twenty seventeen four two steals and a block, you'd have been like, oh my gosh, this must have been a very close game. Like, no, and even Middleton, like Middleton was really good. Middleton was hitting some crazy shots in the third quarter, trying to keep them in that game. And it just, some of it kind of came back to is like Drew Holiday was the Drew Holiday of like the rest of the playoffs rather than those last two games in Atlanta. Yeah, he was uh, rough. Which is a huge problem for them. Like that's the biggest problem for the Bucks. is like you're right. I think the coaching was fine. I think Giannis looked pretty good. It's just Drew Holiday, man. I don't know what it is. Yeah, and it's, it's a problem not just for this finals i mean it's a problem going forward like they they invested so much of their future in acquiring drew holiday and he's obviously good enough to get them to the finals you know you can have a finals mm-hmm. team with drew holiday but if they if he just had like a good playoff run just a like a normal drew holiday playing in the regular season run like this team yes. would look so much different this team would look dominant Probably, yeah. If Drew Holiday was yeah. playing the way he normally was, so this drop off for him has just been, and I don't even know what you say about it. Like if you just write it off to one season, 
or and you just hope things get better. I mean, we don't have a ton of playoff experience from Drew Holiday. It's not like he's been on a ton of playoff teams that have gone deep. So right. I don't know. Right. It, it, it is a concern for me, especially because he's just not the level of creator that you really want that or, the, or that that mm-hmm. team really needs. Yeah, and Middleton kind of has to be that, but that's I don't know that he's I mean he's not really a primary creator for them. Yeah. I mean they just need it. They need a Kyrie Irving, James Harden level player probably to go like actually win the title and to be the dominant team that they need to be. And they're still really good. They could still win this title. This could it could certainly still happen. Uh, after game like game 1 feels very defeating if you're the Bucks, but as we know, as Thunder fans know, Game One doesn't mean a whole lot. You've got to go do it yeah. for the rest of the series. And and if you're a Bucks fan, I mean, the, just the fact that Giannis was back, and mm-hmm. you know there were times when it looked like he was limping a little bit, but for him to make a play like that chase down block, like that just that makes you feel good. It's like okay, that that is a like full 100 percent Giannis play right there. Like, yeah, chase he, down block, moving moving Aiton for that dunk. Yeah, like he just moved him out of the way and then just dunked in his face. I was like, okay, great. This is what I needed to see. Yeah, because we've seen players come back from injuries and, well, I mean, Chris Paul in the first round when he <laughs> hurt his shoulder, like he was playing, but not yeah. really. This wasn't a case of that. I mean, Giannis didn't mm-hmm. have a huge stat line like he normally would. I mean, in these playoffs, I'm sure he's averaging close to 30 points, but he still looked like Giannis for most of that game. And so that's the one sliver of hope you could give to the Bucks. I mean, I, I still think they're in this. I, I'm not yeah. disappointed. I mean, that, that game could have been a lot closer there at the end um, if, if yeah. a few shots had fallen differently. Yeah. Still kind of a fun matchup. Yeah. I'm really glad Giannis is playing. Otherwise, not a fun matchup at all. But I enjoyed watching that game last night, and I hope that we get some good games. And we're, we know uh, we're going to get some here. good crowds. Crowds are going to yeah. be standing out. Oh, the, yeah. The crowd was fantastic. I love when they kept cutting away to the guy with the really, like, really blonde hair. The young guy who had, like, long blonde yeah. hair. He just looked very cool. <laughs> <laughs> he just looked very cool. He did look cool. You know who else is looking cool right now, Al? Oh, I know who it is. Tell the people. It's Vrenz Bleisenberg. Vrenz Bleisenberg. Vince I think it's Bleisenberg. Bleisenberg. Bleisen, from, Bleisenberg. From Belgium. I kind of want him on the team just to uh, say the name. Yeah, Vrenz is a pretty cool name. And I and his handle, his really Twitter cool handle is Vrenz with a bunch of Z's afterwards, which is cool too. <laughs> oh, there goes one of my one of my kids. Uh, yeah. So he's he worked out for the Thunder. He likes to uh, take Instagram photos and post them, and people like to retweet them. <laughs> I don't know what to say about this. Well, it is funny that like Oklahoma City is such a tight-lipped organization, and so you never yeah. really hear about who's working out for them through them, but they can't yeah, really do anything to stop these guys from taking a picture of the gym. And t- it's <laughs> agents, out. it's the players, and I, it, it, number one thing please don't draw conclusions from who they work out because they work out everybody and they talk to everybody. And if you use that, like you're just looking at a whole draft board. Like don't, don't use that. That's just not, it's not crazy valuable information. Now you, what you can do is take a look at the kind of player they are, the skills they have, the body type they have, what they can be. And Vren's like very much fits the thunder, right? Oh, for sure. High upside, like w- weird, but weird, like tall point guard ish player. He's probably not a point guard in the NBA, but he's probably a guy that can handle in the NBA, like similar to Poku. And I haven't, I can't sit here and say I have watched a lot of him. I haven't yet. And I'm sure McKelly and I will eventually do a thunder after dark about him just because people are so intrigued that we just have to do it. Yeah. Let me, I'll, here, I'll read the, uh, so this is from yeah, read the, Chad Ford's read the NBA Big Board. He did he just did a profile mm-hmm. on him this week. And mm-hmm. 
This is under his bottom line. He says, Bleisenberg is a sleeper who profiles as a big 3 and D wing with playmaking ability as a primary or secondary ball handler and the athleticism to defend multiple positions. Sounds pretty good. Mm -hmm. His production for Antwerp this season was inconsistent at best, and he's going to have to become a better rebounder and more reliable shooter, but he has the raw skills, size, and athletic ability that NBA teams desire. He feels highly underrated right now. It's hard to fathom NBA teams wouldn't want a 7-foot point forward who can shoot and is a good athlete. He plays in front of NBA scouts at another 30-team NBA workout in Minnesota July 8th through the 11th, so this week. If he opens eyes there, he's going to shoot way up boards. On talent, he's a top 20 pick. So you're taking him at six is the question now. You gotta. You gotta. <laughs> you gotta make sure he's gonna be there, Andrew. With the sixth pick in the 2020 NBA draft, the Thunder select Renz Bleisenberg. Renz Bleisenberg. Um, it's a fun name to say. Yeah, I'm, I would. He oh my gosh, can you imagine the Thunder broadcast crew saying Renz Bleisenberg? Oh no, 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 no! I couldn't. Uh, yeah, there's there's some there's some pretty good names in this uh, in this draft. I was looking through the list of names that they have. We have found out they've worked out. Which, to be honest, like a bunch of names that guys you don't really like. Like, we know they've yeah. worked out Jalen Johnson. We know they've worked out Keon Johnson. Boo. Uh, Boo. Isaiah Todd. Uh, Austin Reeves. Sharif Cooper. Okay, there's a name that we know. All right. All right. Um, He's kinda Matthew cool. Hurt. Josh Primo. Corey Kispert. Uh, Ayo. Yeah. Dosenmo. Is that how you say his name? Dosenmo. Ayo. Uh, Vrenz. Chris, Chris Duarte. Oh, this is from Ryland Styles, by the way. He he put all these together. And EJ yeah. Onu. Um it, it's Chris Duarte. Other than Jalen and Keon, it seems like most of these guys are guys they're looking at for the the second round picks, perhaps. They're bringing in Chris Chris Duarte as a veteran leader for this team. He he'd be one of the oldest guys on the team. He really would be. <laughs> it is wild how old he is. He's got to go to like a contender or something where you're just Okay, but maybe we can get a rotation player, you know, at whatever spot. Yeah. Kind of thing. Um, so, yeah, I, I, I still feel like I'm waiting for some new. Actually, we did get a little bit of news today, but I'm still waiting for some more news about what OKC is thinking at six. Because I just don't feel yeah. like we've gotten a lot of scuttlebutt about that pick specifically. We, we, I mean, early on it was, oh, they are interested in Barnes, and that's about all we've had. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think that we can safely assume that they are having a billion conversations trying to move up. Well, I think that's that's safe to say. Let's jump into some scuttlebutt, Andrew, because ESPN uh, released an article today about big NBA draft 2021 questions. And the very first question answered by Jonathan Gavoni was, is Cade Cunningham a lock to go number one? And in mm-hmm. that, he says... Teams including Cleveland, Houston, New Orleans, and Oklahoma City are among those making overtures to evaluate what it would take to move up to the number one slot, sources say, but those talks are at an early stage, and any trade is unlikely to be consummated until much closer to the draft, if at all. From all accounts, Detroit is comfortable standing pat at number one and taking Cunningham, but will be active in exploring the possibility of trading down and obtaining additional assets with Mobley a potential target if something gets done. And... Then in, a, in another question, they're talking about how many times have his, has a team traded out of the top five? And mm-hmm. according to Bobby Marks, it's only happened once, though I, I don't understand why he doesn't include the Hawks. I'm thinking what he meant was like trading out of the top five before the draft, before the actual mm-hmm. picks are made, um, which has only happened once. And it was the Lakers trading the number four pick in the deal that brought them Anthony Davis. DeAndre, okay. DeAndre Hunter pick, which I don't really remember that, how that ended up. Why, 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 that was the Lakers pick? I don't remember, if I'm being quite honest with you. Yeah, as I'm saying it out loud, I'm like, is that true? <laughs> it says, when the Lakers traded the number four pick in 2019 as part of the package to acquire Anthony Davis. Huh. Is that what happened? Anyways, <laughs> his point was that it's extremely rare for a team to trade out, completely out of the top five. And yeah. that backs up with Gav- what Gavoni says, which is like, if they did it, maybe it's because they value Evan Mobley more and think they could get him at like two or three. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which that 
a deal like that makes sense to me, much more sense to me than the idea of, oh, OKC is just going to give them the six pick and a bunch of future stuff. Like to me, it's like, mm-hmm. who cares? Like that, that six pick isn't valuable enough. It's, it's not. It would have to be, you'd have to see Woj tweet the a record setting number of draft picks thing again, right? That he that he tweeted two years ago, whenever the Thunder traded Paul George, it would have to be something like that, where it's just like so overwhelming that. And even then, like if we're comp- like it would. And to me, I don't think you're getting number one. I think you could get three, is what I'm thinking. But even if you're comparing, I, I don't know if you're comparing those two teams, Detroit and Oklahoma City. Detroit feels like a team who's much farther along their path. And so the idea of getting a ton of picks over just taking Cade Cunningham, like even if it was like eight picks, like, and they were all in the future, and you don't know if any of them are ever going to be as good, and most of them won't be as good as the number one pick, like I just don't think it's it's worth it. It, There has to be someone that you're moving down for that you really like. It has to be like a a Tatum Fultz trade. Yes. And, and the Thunder are just not in the position right now. Now, maybe if they made a trade with Cleveland to get the number three pick, then it becomes more realistic. But as of right now, it just yeah, doesn't like, seem real. Yeah, if they're just continuing to trade up. I don't. I mean, the Thunder, I, I would say it's like a 1% chance that they get the number one pick, maybe even worse than that. Hey, but they're trying. So, they're trying. They're going to try. They're going to try to get as far up as they can get. I think Cleveland is the most gettable one. As we've talked about, I think that they're the team that's under the most pressure to at least try to make the playoffs of all these teams, right? I mean, it's not Detroit, it's not Houston, you know. It's and then like Toronto, I don't, I don't think like the pressure is on there. I think that they just sit and wait for whoever drops to them. I think that they're pretty chill about this. I think Cleveland is the only one where I think that things could get a little weird. And the Thunder could take advantage of that. The Thunder taking advantage; they took advantage of the Magic when things got weird at the Magic. Yeah, you know. So, I think that that's to me that's the one, and it's also the front office and the ownership that is seems the most unstable of all of these. And as you as you've talked about, I mean, Kobe Altman, the clock is ticking. It's unlikely that Kobe Altman's going to be with the Cavs for another two or three years. So. He's going to make whatever move he can to make the team better or to do whatever he can or to make ownership happy by maybe saving money on their cap sheet by just trading away Kevin Love. Yeah. You know, there's there's a lot of there's a lot of just craziness that could happen within the Cavs. And so I think if the Thunder had a chance, I would say it's certainly at 3. 2. I I don't I don't see Houston doing anything just because they they have this window starting this year for the next two years when they have their pick and they just have to make the most of it. Yeah, if it, it when people bring up like fake trades to move up, it's there's also there's always a big component of it that is this team's dumb. Like yeah. and if that's all you're basing it on, it's very unlikely to happen because for all of these trades, always look at it if OKC was in the same position. Like, if OKC had the number two pick in this draft, would you trade it for the number six pick and two future firsts that you know? Like, the Houston picks, like, people talk about, what if we gave Houston back everything that they gave us? None of those picks are ever going to be as good as the number two pick. The actual picks are top four protected, and then the pick swap in the Mm -hmm. future is top ten protected. None of those picks are ever going to be as good as the number two pick that Houston currently has. And that includes the number six pick that OKC has this year. There's no mm-hmm. reason that you would ever do that trade in those scenarios unless it's like a really weak draft and you don't like the guy at number two. But there are so many guys. I mean, Jalen Green or Evan Mobley, like take your pick. Like Those are both amazing options for a team like Houston whose only real blue chipper, and even that is like questionable, is Kevin Porter Jr. I would say that's highly questionable. Yeah. But yeah, yeah I, I just... All these trades, I look at it. If OKC was in the same position, would I do it? And the answer is almost always no. I just want the t- I just want the yeah. high pick. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone. 
Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com slash courtside to learn more. Yeah, I've been talking with Sam Vecini a lot over the past few days. Uh, we've been making some videos for the Athletic Ooh. Uh, YouTube page. Yeah. And so we 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 may, <laughs> we knocked out like five videos, like back to back to back to back to back. Uh, and so like we just chat a lot about like what's going on with these players. Where does he think these guys are? You know, like a lot of people like to say this is a six-player draft today. We do. But he's like. Thunder fans do. He's like, <laughs> he's like really, this is a four-player draft. That is the way it feels. Yeah. And the Kaminga and Barnes are not in that group. And it, he, made, he made me feel so much better about like my evaluations of some of these guys because I have been feeling a little bit crazy about the Jalen Suggs stuff because he seems to be the one that's dropping, right. right? And I kind of felt like I was taking crazy pills because I watched Green and Mobley and Suggs a lot. And I'm just like, man, I, I just don't get it. Like, I just, there's just so many more things to like about Jalen Suggs. And that's where Sam has him number two. And he says, like, he basically has, he's, he's the closest to Cade of any of these guys, in his opinion. Hmm. Um, so that made me feel better. And then he's got Mobley, and then he's got Jalen Green at four. Yeah, I mean, basically, it's a, it's a, Four-player draft if your team is in the top four. It's a five-player draft if you're yeah. the Magic. And it's a six-player draft if right. you're the Thunder. <laughs> <laughs> and if... And we we talked to Slater on on mm-hmm. Friday for our Saturday Slam and Jam show. And like he... I think everybody can fully admit once you get to seven, it's like... Man. Yeah, who do you like? It, it feels very... It feels very flat. Oh. It feels very flat. Absolutely. From seven to... to 19 or whatever even to 20 like i've seen mock drafts for like jaden springer is at 20 like am i 100 percent certain that whoever is taken at seven is going to be better than jaden springer like, i'm not i'm not sure at all if that's the case i just don't know and I can say, even even like Scotty Barnes and Kaminga, I could say, okay, like those guys have a, because of their measurables, because of Scotty Barnes' skill set, because of Kaminga's upside, like, yes, those guys are certainly in like a tier of their own above everybody else. But then after that, it's it's just a crapshoot. And, and the thing is, like one of those guys is going to be very good, whether it be Book Knight or Zaire Williams, if he can get it together, or maybe Kispert's the one that shows out above everybody. Whoa! I didn't, I didn't expect or you to Keon go Johnson. Kispert there. Thrown in Kispert. I just, I just think, I just, I don't know. I like Kispert. I think that it's. I don't think he's going to be a failure at the NBA level. I think he's just going to shoot the lights out. Um, yeah, I, I still feel very good about the depth of this draft. I do fi- find myself like recalibrating what I think is a realistic goal for the Oklahoma City Thunder mm-hmm. in terms of coming out of this mm-hmm. draft. You know, yeah. I'm thinking more like with their five picks, if they could get two guys who were in a top eight playoff rotation, I think mm-hmm. that would be a massive success. That'd be great. That'd be great. That would be great. And that obviously you'd need guys that are not stars to be in a top. I mean, you could, I guess you could have eight stars, but you need to have other guys and that's why you know I'm higher on guys like Moses Moody who I just I feel like I can project him out and I like what his floor with and the combination of his ceiling is as like a mm-hmm. a really good role player um mm-hmm. I wanted to ask you because I've been thinking about this lately the term best player available because we, we, we you always hear mm-hmm. that BPA versus fit what do you mm-hmm. what does that really mean to you what does BPA mean to you 
Yeah, it's, it's a really interesting question because it is it will be different for each team. So, I mean, you can say without a doubt that best player available for the Thunder means highest upside, right? I, th- I think so. And, and I think that's, um, that's slightly different from when the process was going through. I feel like BPA for them was like highest value. Like, yeah, be- highest value in terms of like trading this guy <laughs> in the future. Eventually, yeah, eventually trading them, sure. Yeah, I, I think the Thunder think of it as... The Thunder... Uh, I mean, and they should... Be, I believe that the Thunder have one of the best developmental systems in the NBA. And I think that because that's all they care about, it makes for a great situation for guys that maybe aren't that are definitely that aren't ready like that's that's why you can be really excited about a guy like friends because he he's just really un, in a really unusual prospect who needs development and needs to gain strength and all of these things and the thunder have a, a very player friendly like even like fringe player friendly system I and mean, we saw it this year i Guys that are on the fringes of the NBA looked really good for Oklahoma City. And it's because of the offensive system that they run. Like everybody, the more you touch the ball, the better these guys feel, the more comfortable these guys feel. Well, that's happening a lot in this Oklahoma City offensive system. And it's going to make guys look better. It's going to make guys feel better. And then plus they've got the coaches just, all they do is develop. That's all they care about. That's all they want to do. And so you can, that's why you can, that's why they can look at Jonathan Kaminga where other teams might be horrified of taking him and you can feel a little bit better about him. That's where you can take Scotty Barnes who's like super skilled but like really doesn't shoot it. Like really just not at all. You know, and doesn't really score. You know, he averaged 10 points a game. Yeah. I mean, that would be, I think it's the least amount of points until you get to like Kai Jones, you know, like that's and that's actually the reason he, why I brought up BPA because, yeah, I, I do think that best player available should mean which guy you think can be the best player available given everything. So his on court ability, yeah. his floor, his ceiling, your coaching staff, your your system, um, his intangibles. And I, I just look at someone like Scotty Barnes and I really start to wonder because of the shooting issues and, and just like the lack of scoring that you just mentioned, would he be yeah. best suited as a primary ball handler? Like, is that actually the way to maximize his skills? And No. You don't think so? So then how are you? No, then what do you do? Um, because that is his best offensive skill. It's his best offense. Passing is his best offense. So skill taking certainly. the ball out of his hands, like, is that really maximizing his skill set? Is he the best player available if he's not going to be a primary ball handler on your team? It's not going to. It's. It's not going to maximize the Thunder to put the ball in his hands full time, though either. Well, that's why I, I I'm wondering if he's a good fit with the Thunder. It's one of the reasons why I like the. It's fit. another thing I talk with Sam about. Like Sam, Sam thinks he's. Sam thinks it's the perfect spot for him because he is going to be a ball mover. He's going to be a guy that can be on either side of the pick and roll. He can handle the pick and roll and he can be the screen setter on the pick and roll. He's going to make good decisions. He's going to roll the basket. He's going to score around the basket. Um, He knows where to be on the court. I mean, he's, and he's got to develop a shot. It's not that he won't shoot it. I think that he will. Uh, Can, can they at least, you know, in the next two years, get him to the door level of shooting is the question. And I don't think it's impossible. I think he, there's, there's people that say behind the scenes, like he, he's better than he was. He shot the ball better at Montverde than Cade Cunningham did. Um, so there's, there's more stuff there to him. And the thing about Scotty, like he cares so much about, being part of the team. He cares so much about winning. He cares so much about doing what the coaches ask of him. And like Florida State, Florida State's not, 
it's not the greatest place for guys to showcase scoring ability because they just love to move the ball. They love to share the ball. Uh, and so people would make the case that he just didn't get a chance to show off what he can do. And I, I don't know what to think about that, to be honest, because I can just tell you what I watched. And so this is all, these are all just stories and these are all just like stuff that people have said about him. And I don't know, like I, I believe in his ability to be on a, a rotation, like a, like you said, a top eight rotation player championship team. Absolutely. I, I think that he is absolutely that. And he's a guy that's going to, he'll make your team better just through his presence, period. His competitive mindset, he's going to be. I, I'm if the Thunder take him, I, I will be beating down the door of like Thunder PR to let him come on the pod, that kind of thing. Yeah. Like, I think he'd be great. And so, I think he's for sure like top eight championship rotation player. I don't have any problem with that. Now, are we talking, is he your number two guy? Which I think is, which I think is what we're as Thunder fans and people that watch them, like that's what we want, right? We want to find Shea's running mate here. This is what we want. And is he that? I, I am, that's where I'm, that's where I feel like you do. Like I'm very, very unsure if that's the case. I mean, without a shot, I would say no. Like, without a shot, it would be very, yeah, it would, it would be very, very difficult. And he's not, he's not a complete non shooter. Um, but he's got a ways to go. Like I don't, I don't. I would be surprised if we got five years down the line and Scotty Barnes is like afraid to shoot the basketball, and he's a liability and he's record scratch. He's like all. I don't think he's that. I don't think he's those things. But there's there's concerns there. But if you get if you get to let's let's say the draft goes like this: Cade, Mobley, Green, Suggs, Kaminga, which is kind of what we've thought all along, right? Mm-hmm. What do you do? I am a huge fan of Moses Moody. And I would rather bet on his shooting. Oh, Lord, Al. What? Why? Why Why should I be so oh, amazed with Scotty Barnes? Ow. Like, you um, know what I, look, you know what I went back and watched yesterday? 2015, I believe that was the year, pre-draft shooting of Willie Cauley Stein. You know who was draining threes? Willie Cauley Stein. You know how many threes Willie Cauley Stein yeah. has taken in his career? 30. I just like, I do not believe in Scotty Barnes' shooting. I have no reason to believe in Scotty Barnes' shooting. Yeah. So I have to, yeah. I have to, the most likely scenario is that he does not shoot. And if he does not shoot, I don't think that player is the best player available for Oklahoma City at number six. I think there's maybe a like 10 to 20% chance that he becomes an average shooter in the NBA. And if that's the case, I, I'm not prioritizing that player at number six. Yeah. He, he just fills lots of gaps is the thing that, that Barnes would do that Moody would not do. But he also... Lo- I think Moody like projects as like a really nice role player. But Barnes also locks you in to a much more difficult team-building concept because you have to surround him with shooting. You have to. Yeah. You cannot have... Yeah. I mean, Dort... We yeah. talk about Dort as a shooter now, and he's obviously very willing mm-hmm. to shoot, but he tailed mm-hmm. off at the end of this year, as we all know. Like, he had multiple months shooting under 30% from three. He's 34% mm-hmm. of the year. We'll see what he is when he comes back. But you start putting mm-hmm. these pieces together that you like long-term because we've talked about, like, the guys we really mm-hmm. like... Shea, that, that we feel good about going forward. Shea, Dort, and for me, Ty Jerome. For somebody else, it might be someone else. But like, you have mm-hmm. to have shooting. Okay. And so if you bring in someone like Scotty Barnes, I'm not mm-hmm. going to do the thing where I'm just going to anticipate he becomes a shooter because I don't think that's the yeah. most likely scenario. I, I, don't dis- I don't disagree with you. I, I just think that it puts... <laughs> This is and the, and the here is here is exactly where we're talking where a trade down would make some sense. I wouldn't I'm I wouldn't take Moses Moody at six. I would call the Kings and say, what can we do? 
How can we swap? How and can get we help extract you? value? How can we help? Yeah, you how can kings? we help you, Kings? We want to get you to play and extract extract value out of the Kings, and then have nine, you know, sixteen, eighteen plus like some future Kings value. And this is this is a conversation that I don't think Thunder fans would like to have. <laughs> <laughs> to be the honest, idea of trading down. I really don't. I don't think this is where we. I think we're wanting to. We want to talk calves, right? But I do think that there is a scenario where it does make sense to trade down and to maybe take a guy that you're more sure of that fits the system a little bit better. Although I just don't think that Barnes is like a, a horrid fit. But you're right. There is. There is, and we see it. We see it in the playoffs when you have a top two or three player on your team that doesn't shoot it it does make your life more difficult and you have to I mean the Warriors made it work with with Draymond and one they didn't they didn't spend hardly anything to get Draymond they used a second round pick to get him and and also they had two of the best shooters of all time on their team and that's you know I don't know I would I like Moses Moody too. Like I'm a big fan of him. I just don't think I would take him at six. I would trade down. And there's there's some upside with Moody too because he can shoot it in the mid range. He didn't run a lot of pick and roll, but he did some, and he was effective with it. Uh, he he fits. I think that he's a top eight rotation player on a championship team kind of guy too. The only thing the athleticism is is what's turning NBA teams off of him. You know, like that's that's it. But, I mean, there's a lot of guys in this range that I don't understand why they're above Moody. It's about Keon, Franz Wagner, Jalen Johnson, Davion Mitchell. I'm just like, what, well, like, what am I missing? I think a lot of it is, is what I feel like. It comes them. back to the idea of BPA, meaning like highest ceiling. Like that's why those players yeah. go higher. Um, and we see it every year. I mean, we're seeing it right now in the finals with basically all of these guys on these teams who were not high lottery picks. I mean, Devin Booker, Mikhail Bridges, um, over on the Bucks, obviously Giannis, but Chris Middleton, Drew Holiday. Mm-hmm. Like none of these guys were like top five picks outside of CP3 and DeAndre Ayton. And so, yeah, I, I wonder like why we pass. Well, well, I know why it is. It's because we we are so focused on ceiling, and we so want yeah. to get that ceiling because it seems like we're going to have this one swing in it. We got to take the guy with the highest ceiling. But I do think sometimes that takes you down bad roads. More often than the majority of time, I, guys don't reach their ceiling <laughs> that you're grabbing there. Without a doubt, I mean, you look at just just go look at all the odds that each pick holds of even becoming a rotation player, and I think that you would be very disappointed <laughs> to see, you know, how how this breaks down. I mean, even at six, like the odds of getting an all star are pretty low. Like they're very low. And yes, everybody's going to be like, well, what about Donovan Mitchell? And what about Shea? And what about this? And what about Giannis? And what about Kawhi? Like, yes, those are the exception to the rule. You can't, you can't use those examples and say, well, they got them at that, that spot. Or uh, Damian Lillard was picked six. So that means that things are going to be great for us. You know, like, there's been lots of guys. There's been lots of misses at six. And I, I, f- and I fully expect the Thunder to take the biggest swing. But I think back to a guy like Clay Thompson, who, in retrospect, like, how did he drop so far? Um, I think it was in part because of his age at the time. I mean, he was he had played three years at Washington State. But, like, you go mm-hmm. back and look at his three-point percentages. I mean, his final season at Washington State, 7.2 three-point attempts, 39.8% from three. People didn't think he could defend, and they didn't. And they Washington didn't State. think he was a creator, which he's not. And he they didn't yeah. see him as a very athletic guy, which he's you know in comparison to other guys in the NBA, he's not. But if you look at him for what he actually did, and the relevance to the modern NBA, he would have been a good pick. And that's the way I feel about Moses Moody. Moses Moody does things that already project to be the things that you need in the NBA. And yet we decrease it. We send him down the draft boards because, well, he might not be athletic as this other guy. Even though I still think he'll—I mean—he'll be a good defender. He definitely has the size for it. I don't know. I—I just 
I'm starting to. How high would you would you just, would you just take him at six? I don't know if I would right now, but I will tell you that I like him more than Scotty Barnes. If you're as obsessed with basketball as I am, then you know there's no better time of year than the NBA playoffs. Hey guys, this is JJ Redick. Twice a week, I'm cooking up something special for basketball junkies on my podcast, The Old Man and the Three. I bring on guests in all stages of their careers to talk about the league and share stories you won't hear anywhere else, like Devin Booker on why he talks so much trash or Paulo Bencaro on his shooting workouts with Kevin Durant, Ray Allen's epic free throw competitions with LeBron when they were teammates in Miami. But it's not just about the player interviews. Every Monday, I break down the top three things happening around the NBA without the outlandish takes. Often joined by masterminds of the game like Tim Legler, we dive deep into topics like rookie reports, trade breakdowns, and why is mean mugging now a tech? The Old Man of the Three is the only companion podcast you'll need during the playoffs this year. Be sure to listen to The Old Man and the Three ad-free on Wondery Plus or wherever you get your podcasts. Yeah, I don't... He fits the modern NBA way better. He he is easier to plug in to the Thunder than Barnes is. Um, there's no doubt about it. And, and I don't think there's a wrong... I'm going to ask you a question. I don't think there's a wrong answer to it. But if you... Mm-hmm. If I could tell you that at pick six... You could either get someone who's equivalent to Mikael Bridges, who mm-hmm. on this Suns team, fourth player, you know, fourth best player mm-hmm. on a very good team, or you could take mm-hmm. a guy that has somewhere between, but has, let's say, no realistic shot to be an all-star in the future. Or you could take a guy that has a 10 to 20% chance of being an all-star. I would take the 10 to 20% chance to be an all-star. Yeah. And I don't think that's wrong. I would take I would take the swing. Uh, I I believe I mean we've we've seen it through the years. Like that's the Thunder mentality too. Um, you look just look at who they took. The and obviously like a guy like Baisley doesn't have that high of a chance to be an All Star, but maybe it's like five to ten percent chance to be an All Star, just because he's so unknown and he's got this like kind of wacky skill set. And you look at Brandon Clark and you're like certainly Brandon Clark does not have all-star potential but you know he's like a good role player and the Thunder said we'll swing right. which is why I fully expect them to take Scotty Barnes I, I, I would be shocked if they took Moses Moody um, yeah or or if it go or if the order goes Cade Mobley Green Suggs Barnes which wouldn't shock me like then the Thunder will probably take Kaminga and <laughs> I have done all. Would you feel better about Kaminga? I've almost done a full 180 on Kaminga, and you know what? Wow! You know what it is, and especially comparing what? him to Barnes, it's it's the willingness, the desire to be a scorer that gets me excited about Kaminga, in in he a does. way that Barnes he does not. Absolutely wants to be. Yeah, I would say it's easier to it's easier pro- to project two things with him. One is that he could be your second scorer next to Shea. Right. Two, he could be out of the league faster than anybody else sure. in the top six. <laughs> like those are the two easier things, easiest things to like project with him because goodness gracious. And I just don't, I don't have enough information, but when I watch him and, and this is me giving him like every single benefit of the doubt, which maybe he doesn't deserve. You know, sometimes you give people the benefit of the doubt, they don't deserve it, but I'm giving it to him. And I'm just thinking, where is the accountability with him? Because he was thought to, to be a guy that projects as a really nice defender. And Jalen Green was thought of the guy that wasn't. And Jalen Green is like a lot better on defense for the Ignite. Yeah. And I just wonder if it's accountability. With, like the Thunder, I, I would, to me, outside looking in, I think that there is a lot of accountability with regards to development and defense and stuff like that with these guys. And I think that's good. And if he could ever get it together, cause he can, he can drip. Like he, I don't know. There's, it's hard to describe him cause you want to say he's raw and he is, but he also possesses all of the skills that you want. He just has them in like small bursts here and there. And can you turn those bursts into some consistency? Which is the same thing the Thunder are trying to do with Poku, right? Like Poku has these flashes and moments where you're like, wow, like that's an all-star move. 
or that's something that like three guys in the NBA can do, or like that's a pass that nobody can throw at that size. And then he does like five stupid things. Yeah. And you're like, okay, how do we eliminate those? And I think it's going to be the same thing with Kaminga is, wow, he just dribbled up the court, step back three on Kawhi Leonard, swished it in his face. And then, like, the next three possessions, he's trying to, like, go through Zubak and, like, throws the ball off the side of the backboard. And you're like, what is he doing? Why did he, what did he see there? Like, that's what you're, that's the battle that's going to occur with Kaminga with his development. And can you eliminate the in-between moments for him will be the big question. And that's why, going back to the BPA conversation, like, Kaminga feels more like a BPA pick in terms of highest, or, or highest ceiling than Barnes does to me. Barnes almost feels more like a floor play because I b- believe yeah. in his floor in terms of defending, in terms of passing. Like, there's a ton to like about Scotty Barnes, and I I fully agree with you that he is like a top eight guy on a championship team. But like the ceiling is much more harder for me to see with Scotty Barnes in comparison to Kaminga, where even if even though it, it's unlikely to happen, like I see it. Like you see it just in the way he plays. He plays like a superstar mm-hmm. would play. Mm-hmm. Yes, he, he has a projectable all-star posture in the way that he thinks of himself and the way the that way he, he tweets. The way he tweets. <laughs> Certainly the way he tweets. <laughs> you can see it. Uh, yeah, I, I wouldn't be afraid to do it if I were the Thunder. And I don't know what they think about him. I don't know what they think about Barnes in comparison. I really have I have I have no idea and the truth is like nobody nobody else does either. Like this is I I think it's going to be quite a mystery. And we are having a draft party. Uh I will have details on that by Friday. So on Friday we're going to announce where it is. So just be prepared to just hang out with us again like you guys did on draft lottery night. And I think this I think it could be a really wild night. For the well, Thunder it, as to who they take and what trades they make and stuff. I think it could be a crazy if you think thing. back to like the Bays draft or the Terrence Ferguson draft when you had parties, like so much of the focus was just on that one pick. It's like just yeah. waiting for that pick. And this year you get potentially waiting to do it 21. three times and then have those two yeah. early second rounders too. Yeah, it's gonna be really fun. We're going to have it in a big space, certainly. And there will be food and beverages and all the stuff. So it's going to be great. Uh, all right, Al. Let's go to the stream real quick as we wrap up. We have Lawrence Field. We have Hoops Talk 69. We have Rogthar. says Poku for president. Dort says we need Hank. I just want to pretend that's actually Lou Dort, who's just the biggest Hank <laughs> fan. Um Let's see. We have Falk in Denmark. We have Michael Clampett, uh, who's in Tokyo, Japan. Very cool. Hope you're doing well, man. Uh, Buster Nakamoto. Uh, yo, from El Salvador, where Bitcoin is legal tender. Wow. <laughs> cool. Wild. Take, going away from the American dollar. Awesome. Uh, Miguel Devella says, what's up, boys? Uh, let's see. Hoops Talk 69 is loving friends. Loving friends. Oh my gosh. 2016 Western Conference Finals, Ron J. Robertson's Mercedes friends. Okay. Like that. <laughs> oh my gosh. Okay. There's a shirt coming on that one. Um, oh gosh. Miguel Davila says, would you rather have Nader or Justin Jackson win the championship? Oh, it's it's got to be Nader. Which is, which is a real question. Oh, it's got to be Nader. He came on the pod, yeah. told a hilarious story. If you haven't listened to Abdul Nader on Down to Dunk, he tells this hilarious story from when he moved from Egypt to Chicago, and it's the greatest thing. I, I love that guy. He was honestly my favorite guest I've ever had on that was a player is definitely Abdul Nader. So go check that one out. That was great. Uh, Jess African Kiwi says, Hey guys, bless you today. So stoked for Phoenix. Good night from Perth. It's late, late in Perth. Uh, let's see. Uh, Tommaso Ferrero says, Barnes closing the gap with the top five is definitely the best thing that happened to us since draft night. 
it's helpful that he's that people think highly of him. I wouldn't be shocked to see him go before the Thunder pick. I really, really would not. Um, Western Conference 2016 Western Conference Finals. Andre Robertson, which I hope is just Andre Robertson watching this, uh, says that Mike Schmitz did a film study with friends back in April that hasn't dropped yet for some mm. reason. Wow. Are you editing Mike Schmidt's videos? Wow. Just wondering what's happening with them? I don't know. Uh, let's see. Who else is here? The Tall Shot OKC is here. Daniel Tomasi says, Wasan from the UK. Evan Christian says, what's up? Evan McDaniel says, he's hopping on from Stillwater. Uh, Alex Bullerjack, my friend, says, if Kevin Love plays well in the Olympics, does that negatively affect Sam Presti's leverage? Or is it a non-issue regardless due to salary? Uh, well, did you see that article came out today that, like, why is Kevin Love on Team USA? There's one reason. It's Rudy Gobert because they're going to be playing France and they want to use to play Kevin Love as a small ball center to stretch Gobert out. I mm. mean, I feel like there's a lot of guys who could have done that, but whatever. Um, but, yeah, I mean, <laughs> they're going to win the gold, so he's, it's going to be hard for him to look bad. Yeah. I mean, this. I, I feel like this can only boost it. Now, if he goes over and shoots yeah. like twenty percent from three, I guess it could get even worse for the cast. But could be great for the Thunder. <laughs> yeah. <right>? <laughs> oh man! All right, let's fire through the rest of these, and we gotta go. Uh, so so from Phoenix. Jay Smith is on. Was on here saying that he wants Moody and Barnes. Let's oh, he's go. greedy. Both. He says both, Alex. We want. That would actually be kind of great. Uh, let's see. White Black says coming in, he's two or three development years with uh, OTC shot. Absolutely. That's the plan. That's one of the good things about him is that he makes you bad for even worse next year. Kaminga does. That's part of the plan. Um, James Anderson says that you're correct. I don't know what you're correct about, but you're just correct. Awesome. Um, oh, he's talking about Moody. That if Moody's your guy, don't trade down, just take him. Uh, all right. Hope you guys have a great day. And we'll talk to you guys again on party. I had totally forgotten about the trade. That trade was uh, the number four pick. For the number 10, which was Jackson Hayes, 17, which was Nikhil Alexander-Walker, and the 35th pick. I completely forgot about that trade.